All right, good morning, Plum Creek. Great to see you guys. Glad you are with us today. We are starting a brand new series this morning. It's called Kingdom Habits, and I am super excited about where we're headed the next few weeks. But right off the bat here, I want to start with an illustration. I have an offer that you might be interested in. Right now, I have $1,440 in my pocket right here. Now, I have to be honest, it's Monopoly money. Um, I still have the Monopoly game that I played as a kid, so I took this out of the box this morning. Uh, But just go with me here. Let's pretend this is not fake money. Let's pretend it's real. And let's say that I come to you with this offer, and I say, I want to give you $1,440 every day for the rest of your life. That adds up to over half a million dollars a year, every year, as long as you live. Now, what would you think about that? Well, you might think either Doug is joking or there's some kind of catch here. And you would be right. Uh, There is a catch. And here it is. The catch is that with the $1,440 you get every day, you need to spend at least $20 of that on me. So you're doing the math? 1440 minus at least 20. You can take me out to dinner, uh, buy me a half a tank of gas, whatever you decide. But once you spend that 20, the rest of it, you can use it however you want. So what do you think about that offer? Hold that thought. I want to come back to that in a minute. For the moment, I want to tell you about this new series. Most of you know that we just finished a four-month series called God's Kingdom Story. We went through the big story of the Bible from creation to Christ. And I have to say, I loved that entire journey. But we're not done with God's Kingdom Story. This is our theme for all of 2023. And we have three goals with this theme. Number one, we want to know the story. Goal number two, we want to live it out. And number three, we want to share it with as many people as possible. And with this Kingdom Habits series, we're going to take the story and live it out. That's what this is about. So let's start at the beginning. What are Kingdom Habits? Well, when we use that phrase Kingdom Habits, it's really just another name for something we call spiritual disciplines. And what are spiritual disciplines? Well, here's one definition. Spiritual disciplines are practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among followers of Jesus Christ. So these are behaviors or habits that God's people have practiced ever since the time of the Bible. Things like reading Scripture, praying, taking time for worship or the Sabbath. Now, on the one hand, these practices are great. Because God will use them to bring about positive change in your life. On the other hand, though, we might struggle with these practices because they're not always fun. Sometimes they feel like work. But when you think about it, positive change rarely comes easy, right? If you want to be the best at a particular sport or the best in your career, if you want to have the best marriage or the best relationship, what do you have to do? you got to put in the work, right? Day in, day out, you need to do things that you don't feel like doing. 
We shouldn't expect something different in our spiritual life. Uh, If you want a deep and close relationship with God, if you want to be more like Jesus, don't expect to just snap your fingers and then it happens automatically. The Bible says to expect the opposite. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So, Train yourself for godliness. Establish a regimen of spiritual disciplines. These disciplines that help you grow to become the person God wants you to be. And yes, it sounds like work, doesn't it? But the good news is, we don't have to do this alone. God is more than happy to help us here. In fact, when we let Him take the lead... These spiritual disciplines can become second nature. They become kingdom habits. But how do we get to that point? Well, it's kind of like the difference between rowing and sailing. And if you're in a rowboat, what, what makes the boat go? It's you, right? you got to grab those oars, and it's just working and working. But what's different about a sailboat? If you're the sailor, you don't provide the power to move the boat forward. You still play an important role, but it's not on your shoulders. Where does the power come from? It comes from the wind. And it works the same way in our spiritual lives. Our our role is not to grab the oars and get ourselves to the destination. Our role is to raise the sails, catch the wind. True life change, lasting life change doesn't happen because we're just trying hard. We need the power of God's Holy Spirit working in us. We need to put ourselves in the situations and the environments where the Holy Spirit will work. That's the part we're responsible for. So practically speaking, what does it mean to raise the sails spiritually? Well, that's what we're doing in this series. These spiritual disciplines They they put us in that position where God will work. So we're going to learn to make these disciplines habits over the next few weeks. And today we're going to focus on the habit of listening to God through Scripture. We're going to talk about reading the Bible. And listen, I realize as soon as I mention reading the Bible, some people just start to shut down because you're thinking, man, when I try to read the Bible, I just don't get much out of it. Maybe you find it boring. Uh, maybe you just don't like to read in general, and you're, you're saying, can I just watch the movie? Is it, isn't that good? And I understand that. I, I really do, because there have been plenty of times when I've had a tough time getting into the Bible. But you know what? We can't give up on this spiritual discipline. It's too important, because the Bible is not just some book. This is a message from God directly to you. The truth is, God has something to tell you today. This could change your life, what what it is that he wants to tell you. But you don't know what it is unless you engage with God through Scripture. That statement is true every day of your life. So let's tackle this spiritual discipline. Let's ask God to help us develop this kingdom habit. 
And how do we approach this? Well, I'm going to share seven steps that have been very helpful for me in my life. Step number one is about a decision. Just decide that listening to God is a priority. And to help us with this decision, I want to go back to the offer I mentioned. Do you remember how much money I promised to give you? $1,440 every day. Now, what is the significance of that amount, that specific number? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I heard this illustration from a preacher named Francis Chan, and Francis pointed out that there are exactly 1,440 minutes in every day. And think about that. Every one of those minutes is a gift from God. Looking at the clock right now. Right now it is 11.32. And here at 11.32 a.m., we all have the blessing to be alive. But none of us are guaranteed to see 11.33. We have no control over that, do we? It's a gift from God. He also gives us the freedom to decide how we will use those minutes. Now, do you remember the catch I mentioned earlier? I said, out of all this money, you need to use at least $20 on me. So let's think about this in terms of time. If God has given us 1,440 minutes every day, is it too much to ask that we would give him 20 minutes back? 20 minutes to listen to him through Scripture? To speak to him through prayer? Is that too much to ask? Sometimes it's, it's so easy for us to say, God, I'm sorry, I already spent my whole day on other things. I don't have any minutes left to give you. That's a challenging thought, isn't it? And for some people, this exercise gets you motivated. It is inspiring. You're, you're making this commitment to start this habit. Uh, either start it or restart it or just keep doing what you're doing. For other people, though, the 1440 illustration doesn't really work. Because it just makes you feel guilty. Like, yeah, I should be doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm just a horrible person. <laughs> but uh, hold on, I want you to know something. This series is not some big guilt trip. It's not like, hey, listen, you need to step it up. You need to stop eating junk food, get more exercise, floss your teeth, and read your Bible too. It's not what this is. So if guilt is not the motivation, which doesn't usually work on a long-term basis. What is the motivation? Is it fear? Are we in trouble with God if we don't meet a certain quota of, of reading time every day? No, it's not fear either. It's also not trying to, it's not about trying to earn God's approval. I mean, we are saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by what we do. You don't earn your salvation, or keep your salvation by doing things like reading the Bible. But now, if, if we're not motivated by any of those things, what is our why? Why make it a priority to listen to God? Well, ideally, the motivation would be love. That's the number one commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But what if you're not there yet? 
It's kind of hard to force yourself to love someone, isn't it? Well, if you feel like you're not quite there yet, I've got a good starting place for you. You If you want to grow in your love for God, you can start by recognizing your need for Him. The writer of Psalm 121 was very clear about this. Psalm 121 verse 1 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The reality is we all have a desperate need for God. We need the kind of help that can only come from Him. And the more we understand that, the more we will long to hear what He has to say. And how does God speak to us? Well, you don't have to wait for some audible voice. God has already spoken to us through His Word. That's why Psalm 119 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Through Scripture, God tells us everything we need to know. So, make it a priority to listen to Him. Okay, that's step number one. And after you've made that decision, here's step two. Make an appointment to meet with God. We know how appointments work, right? If you want to meet with someone, you agree on a day and a time and a location, and then you put that meeting in your calendar, and you do your best to make it. You know, even Jesus understood the need to make an appointment to be with his heavenly Father. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, if this was important for Jesus, I'd say it's important for us, right? So I have a challenge for all of us here. If you are not already spending one-on-one time with God on a regular basis, here's your challenge. The challenge is to spend at least 10 minutes with God at least five days a week from now through the end of the month to the end of May. Now, you choose the time and the place that works best for you. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late at night. The point is, you just set the time. You you put it on your calendar, set the location, and then you do your best to show up. After all, we're meeting with someone very important here. No one is more important than God. Okay, the next thing on the list is to have a plan. Uh, There are all kinds of ways to read the Bible. Uh, You could read it front to back. Uh, You could hop around. Some people just let it fall open. You could focus on one verse and really meditate on that. But whatever approach you take, remember that the Bible is one big story. We talked about this last week, right? The Bible is the true story of our great God and His great kingdom. And whatever passage you happen to be reading, it fits into this big story. And it's super helpful to know how that passage fits into the story. Now, if you've been around, with us, if you've been around here since January, you have a pretty good overview of the Bible because we've gone through this, God's kingdom story. And if you missed one or some or all of those sermons, you can go back and get caught up on our podcasts or on Facebook or YouTube. You could also pick up one of the kingdom story books that we've been given out recently. Uh, we only have a few left. They're out at the visitor desk, and you can stop by after service, and they're first come, first served. But then once you have a handle on this big story... How do you decide what to read? 
There are all kinds of different plans and suggestions, but I want to encourage you to try the Plum Creek Scripture Reading Plan. We make this plan available every week. It's in your bulletin uh, right at the bottom of the note sheet. We send it out by email. We post it on Facebook. It's easy to find. Uh, and it's, it's, it's good because it always goes along with whatever we're talking about in the sermon. It's a chance to go deeper on these topics. Today's passage comes from the book of Lamentations. We'll read some of that here in a minute. But now that we've decided what to read, let's decide how to read it. And again, there's a lot we could say about this, but I want to keep it simple this morning. As you read a book of the Bible or a chapter or a verse, you want to ask at least two important questions. Here are the questions. God, based on what I just read, what do you want me to know? And then, second question, God, based on what you want me to know, what do you want me to do? Two simple questions. And the truth is, there's always something God wants you to know, and there's always an action step that He wants you to take. It's not enough to just listen to God. He calls us to listen and obey. Okay, so now we have a bit of a plan, but we don't want to just talk about this. Let's put it into practice. Let's read a passage of Scripture together. Now, I didn't pick out a random passage uh, this morning. I chose something from a worship song that we just sang a few minutes ago. The song is called Promises. Do you remember that? Do you remember how it goes? You want me to sing it for you a little bit? No, you don't want that. I I don't want that either. Uh, But this song is great because most of the lyrics come straight from Scripture. It draws from the Psalms, from the Gospel of Matthew, from the book of Hebrews. But I want to focus on one line, maybe the main line from the chorus, It says, great is your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness to me. Now, where do you think that line comes from in the Bible? I gave it away a minute ago. It comes from the book of Lamentations. And Lamentations was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Now, I want to read a little of what God inspired Jeremiah to say. So, let's look at this. Lamentations will will be in chapter 3. And we'll start at verse 22. So he says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Okay, that's good stuff, right? God's love never fails. His mercies are new every morning. And he is faithful. You can trust him. So far, so good. But hold on, I think we could dig a little here because there is a story. Remember, we want to see how this fits into God's kingdom story. And there's a deeper meaning when we look at that. So I said Jeremiah was a prophet. And we've been talking about these guys, right? A few weeks ago, we had a week where we focused on the prophets who spoke on God's behalf. Unfortunately for Jeremiah, he was alive during a tragic time in the history of Israel. Uh, You might remember this. God had made a covenant with his people. He gave them commandments to follow. He asked them to be faithful to him. And his chosen people did not follow through on their end of that covenant. 
They broke his commandments. They worshiped idols. They rejected him again and again and again. And finally, after centuries, God brought down judgment on these people. And he used the Babylonian empire to bring down that judgment. The Babylonians came in. They invaded Judah. They destroyed the city of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah saw these things happen. The temple was burned to the ground. The whole city became a wasteland. Most of the survivors were carried into exile 900 miles away to the city of Babylon. And as for Jeremiah, he was understandably heartbroken. And that is the backdrop for the book of of Lamentations. Throughout this book, Jeremiah is lamenting, weeping, mourning, just pouring his heart out. So now let's go back and read from Lamentations 3. But this time we'll start back at verse 19. So Jeremiah says there, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. He's saying, by this point, my life is just completely bitter. He says, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. My soul is just bent down. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And that's when he says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Wow, that is powerful, isn't it? This is more than Jeremiah just saying some nice things about God. This is a heartbroken prophet saying, yes, I am devastated, but I won't give up on God. I know that he is good. He is faithful, and I will continue to put my hope in him. Man, getting that context, seeing the story, really listening here, that the meaning really comes across. Do you hear God speaking to you? Do you remember those two questions? God, what do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? I won't answer those questions for you right now, but I encourage you later on. Like I said, this is our reading, this is our passage from today's reading plan. So work through this on your own later today. Okay, we'll take a quick look at the last few steps. Next is step four. If you want to break a habit, or if you want to start a new habit, you you need to be ready to break some old habits. And what are some old habits that we might need to break? Well, I have something I think we can all agree on. Busyness and distraction are habits that keep us from hearing God. We feel like we don't really have the time to, to spend reading God's Word, but that's just not true. We all have the time. A few days ago, I, I saw a study that was released just a month ago, back in April, and this study said the average American spends two hours and 27 minutes every day on social media. That's almost 900 hours a year. On top of that, the average American spends three hours a day watching TV, which adds up to over a 1,000 hours a year. So close to 2,000 hours there. How, how long 
do you think it takes to listen to someone read the Bible out loud at a casual pace? It only takes 70 hours. Spread that across a year. Wow. The reality is we have the time. The struggle is not about time. The struggle is about priorities. It's about setting aside lesser things to to listen to God. And I know we can get pessimistic about breaking old habits and starting new habits, but change is possible. And that takes us to step five. We need to be a part of a community that helps us believe that change is possible. An author named Charles Duhigg wrote a book called The Power of Habit. And Duhigg said, if you want to change your habits, your best chance for success is to join a group that will help you get there. So you're not doing it by yourself. And that's actually a biblical principle too. Uh, Hebrews 10.24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So do you have a group like that? Are you part of a life group or a Bible study or a group of friends who encourage each other, spur each other on to be who God wants us to be, do what he calls us to do? If not, find your people. And if you need help with that, don't hesitate to reach out. Any of us on staff would would be glad to get you connected. Okay, here's step number six. Do not expect instant growth, but do be ready and willing to obey. We're not going to get to that destination in one day or one week, but we can, also, we, we can all take baby steps in the right direction. The question is, when God gives you an action step, how will you respond? Will you listen, turn around, and walk away unchanged? Or will you say, okay, Lord, I see what you're asking me to do? And the answer is yes. I will go out and do what you said. Like I said, it's not enough to just listen to God. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, deceive yourself into thinking, oh, I've done my part, I've, I've read. No, do what it says. God gives you the power to change. He, he'll, he'll be the wind in your sails, but you have to be willing. And yes, obedience can be difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult. But you know what? When you obey God, you're not just giving him the honor that he deserves. You're also doing what is best for you. He has your best interests in mind. I have a real-life example of this from someone in our church. A few weeks ago, we did something here at Plum Creek called the Testimony Challenge. And in this challenge, you just write out the story of what Jesus has done in your life, the difference that he's made. I want to read one of those testimonies right now. This one comes from David Wecker. Uh, David has been a member of Plum Creek for uh, 25 years now. And I think you'll see how his testimony connects to what we're talking about this morning. So let's listen. David says, My account is not of a record scratch experience where my life was abruptly spun around 180 degrees in a single moment. For me... Asking Jesus into my life has happened over a series of realizations. It's been a process, and it continues to be. I grew up in a loving family with parents who were active in our small-town Lutheran church. We sat down to dinner together, 
and always thanked God for our meal with this simple prayer. Let all of us, in full accord, give grateful thanks unto the Lord, a very kind and gracious Lord who gives us more than our reward. That was my foundation. I often strayed, often thought only of myself, even when I knew I was wrong, even when I knew I was engaging in dangerous behavior. But I never doubted the existence of God or that Jesus was God, as in the Son of God. I've never doubted that He is a loving God, one who gives us control of our lives through the gift of free will. A world without God and all the things in it didn't make logical sense to the point I have taken Him for granted. I've always known He was there, although there were long stretches when I was less aware of Him than I wish I had been. So I'm grateful for the moments when He has reminded me. One such moment came at a men's retreat at Camp Northward about 17 years ago. Vic Vogt, worship minister at the time, committed the praise band to playing at the retreat's opening service. It was on a Friday, which I wasn't excited about. But I thought, okay, I'll go ahead, be part of the worship. And as soon as the last song is finished, I thought I'd grab my gear, get out of there, and have my Friday night to do, well, probably nothing. But still. My plan was spoiled when the speaker leaped on stage before the last song was over and launched into this introduction with the final notes still hanging in the air. Missed my chance. Begrudgingly, I settled in to hear what he had to say. I would never have guessed the impact his sermon would have on me. It was a critical time in my career. I had considered my work at the newspaper my ministry. I had a space where I could write about whatever I wanted and often had a chance to write about how someone's faith or testimony had made a meaningful difference. And often that testimony would again make a difference when someone read the story in the afternoon paper. It was work I loved. I had a pulpit. To a great extent, it was work that gave me purpose. But the newspaper was failing, like so many newspapers around the turn of the century. The company had offered a buyout, and I was thinking of taking it. But I was decades away from retirement and deeply concerned, even afraid, about what my next steps might be. Turned out, the speaker's sermon that night was about God's most often repeated commandment. What was the one thing, more than any other, that God wanted His people to keep in mind? I had no idea. The answer stunned me. Fear not. There he was, the creator of the universe, God of everything I could ever see or imagine, the one and only God who created beauty and gave us the eyes to see it, saying that the one thing in his Bible that he wanted me to know more than anything was that I can and I should trust him no matter what. And in that trust, I don't need to be afraid of anything ever. That is the message. Not thou shalt this or thou shalt not that. More than, any, more than any other, he wants us to take to heart. I tried to understand the vastness and the breadth and depth of the oceans of love that motivate fear not. Having no fear. That's pretty close to my idea of heaven. I'm one of those works in progress. Two steps forward, one back. Do I still worry? Even knowing that worry comes from fear, sometimes, but less than before. 
And whatever my temporary state of mind might be, I'm filled with gratitude every day to God for including me in his plan. And to Jesus for patiently helping me discover what my purpose for being born might be. Thanks to Jesus, who is my Savior, I know I have no real power over anything other than the power to exercise my will and choose the one God who created me and everything around me. I am sinful, helpless, and mostly ridiculous, except for Jesus and except for God, who gave me choice and gave me purpose. I really appreciate David sharing that story with us. And did you notice the important role that Scripture played there? In that speaker's sermon, he he shared this command that's all over Scripture. And what was God calling David to do? What what, what What did he want David to know? It was, trust me. You can trust me no matter what. And what did God call David to do? To trust him and fear not. And here we are, 17 years later, and David looks back on that night as a pivotal moment in his life. It's like I said earlier, every day, God has something to tell you that could change your life, but you won't know what it is unless you engage with him through Scripture. Next week, We're going to uh, move on to our second kingdom habit, but it's also uh, step seven out of these steps. Pray. Pray that God will help you listen and obey. We're going to move on to this spiritual discipline of prayer, and I I can't wait to, to tackle that kingdom habit. But in the meantime, don't forget that challenge. If you're not already spending one on one time with God every day, Make the appointment, set the time, set the location at least five days a week from now through the end of May. Make sure you show up for that appointment. It won't always be convenient, but it's always important. In fact, it's crucial. So let's ask God to help us develop this kingdom habit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that You did not leave us in the dark. You've told us everything that we need to know about you, about your love for us, about our purpose in life, about the hope we can have for eternity if we surrender our lives to you and accept the gift of salvation through Jesus. Lord, I thank you for all of these things. Lord, I pray that we will look to you, ask what you want us to know and what you want us to do, and that we will follow through, not just listen, but listen and obey. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.